Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. Today's movie is 1996's The Arrival, directed by David Toohey and starring Charlie Sheen. Hello, everybody. Today I have Grimm with me. We're going to be talking about 1996's The Arrival, uh, directed by David Tui and starring Charlie Sheen. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's a dreary day out here, but uh, <laughs> the weather's shitty, but it's Global right. warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time back to the theme of the movie. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do, uh, you indicated you had a history with this movie. Oh yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I love everything about this movie and all the weirdness in it. Uh, and it, it is the perfect like synthesis of basically kind of Gen X realizing that global warming is real and trying to kind of figure out what to do with it. So on that level, I appreciate it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, t- I could totally see that. Yes, for sure. And um it's uh, it definitely came at a time where the awareness of that stuff was starting to kick in, but like it hadn't really. I mean, things hadn't really gotten that bad yet, and so like the the opening scene that we have there is like, oh, it's a spec, you know, speculative thing. What if it got that bad real quick? And here we are. <laughs> I love it. She's like got an Arctic poppy, but it's instead of being in the Arctic, it's in the Antarctic. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really cool. I saw it actually when it came out. Um, you know, being a huge sci-fi nerd, I would go pretty much seen any any movie like this. And it came out the same summer as Independence Day. I remember that. It was the smaller alien invasion movie. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? Honestly, the more like fun one for me personally, although I think that's probably um I'm probably alone on that. But actually I agree with you. Like we said, the the movie starts with um Lindsay Krauss is this climate scientist and she is a uh, is 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 it Antarctica? Yeah, she's in the Antarctica. That's why that's why it's not supposed to be there because if it was in the Arctic, it, you know, the Arctic poppy, it actually does grow in the Arctic. So, oh, okay. Uh, that's my presumption, at least. Although it's funny because it means the camera is starting upside down. Yeah, yeah. The thinking... ultimate Dutch angle. Oh, yeah. I was also thinking that, okay, so the, du- the director of this is David Tui, who wrote Waterworld, um, among many other things. But, uh, but, but this is kind of a prequel to Waterworld. <laughs> oh, totally. I used to like I used to make this joke all the time and then the more I I went I was like maybe that is a prequel to Waterworld yeah because like of course Waterworld uh is is about a future you know Mad Max style future but it's on everything the the polar ice caps have completely melted and covered the world with water and everything and so uh yeah and that definitely ties into what the movie's about which is aliens are doing it <laughs> that's right it's funny because it establishes aliens and us are doing it. oh yeah 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 they're just they're just doing it more efficiently right that's and they right. even make that point verbatim they're like yeah. we're just speeding you up a hundred years like you yeah. were gonna do this anyway yeah that's a good yeah we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so um 
So, what was like the first time you saw this movie? Did you, did you like have any personal history with it, or is it just something you've always just liked to watch when you see it? I mean, I saw it very young. Um, I want to say it was thirteen when I first saw it, um, and yeah, it stuck awesome. out as like I don't know. It, there was something way more fun about the like paranoid investigative like um setting and framing device as opposed to like other alien invasion movies the older i got the more i was kind of like hey isn't it kind of interesting that the what the aliens were doing in this movie is what like white countries have done to the global south in the last 20 years yeah pretty much (laughs) just buying loads and loads of cheap energy and then just like ruining their uh environments it's very colonial like the aliens are taking a colonial model of actually like uh, like actually taking over and uh in in that regard um they're uh it's kind of eerie how their mentality and how their actions kind of uh align with that like fear of globalization uh and both the good and bad of it actually i was thinking like she is something that kind of goes back to the first alien well i don't know if it's the first alien invasion story but definitely the first major one uh war of the worlds is that um because like hg wells was seeing what he was doing as like a sort of a extension of the logic of colonialism but just to uh outer space creatures coming here to do it to us I think his the end of that is literally uh, he got like what if the smallpox blankets were reversed I think was yeah the logic of the end of it so and I I don't think that's a coincidence yeah I, I feel like the whole colonialism aspect of alien stories has been around since pretty much aliens have been a thing in, in stories <laughs> right it feels like I think it's kind of unavoidable if you're talking about like uh, civilizations coming here and clashing with ours. It, it's like nice and populist in a way because you have the ability to otherize a group that's not human which like you know that you got like reactionary people who are going to enjoy that and then you also have the ability to build an allegory of real things that have happened or are going to happen or have happened and then you got non-reactionaries who can enjoy that portion yeah exactly it's it's uh, something for everybody and uh, yeah it's of course that's a dream for anybody who's making like a mainstream entertainment <laughs> yeah so we have this climate scientist who's learning that global warming is accelerating that's the, the the prologue or the cold open to the movie basically and then charlie sheen is an astronomer named zane zeminski <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's working for some kind of seti project uh in i guess california somewhere la area and he gets a signal one day from a star 14 light years from earth so yeah he reports this to ron silver of uh time cop and uh reversal of fortune all kinds of movies um yeah great character actor yeah 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 fantastic character actor um and who i guess is at i guess it's the jet propulsion laboratory yep jpl oh yeah yeah one time home of uh jack whiteside parsons Yep, and all of his crazy antics. Yep, yep. Sex and Rockets, people. If you haven't read it, go read it. Yeah, fantastic book. So he just poo-poos everything that uh, Charlie Sheen brings to him. And uh, I'm just going to call him Charlie Sheen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, you know, he's like, 
very you know confused by this because it's like what his job is you know it's just like look for right. his signals and he's like being told ah it's nothing we're getting budget cuts just gonna, don't worry about it so early on by the way i want to make a note one of the things that is really good on rewatching it every time is that if you know exactly what's going to happen you start catching stuff really early on and um the one of the first things his superior says is it was probably just a satellite from some spies that are embedded. Oh, yeah. And it's it's like, yeah, it sure was. <laughs> it totally was. And y'all, okay, so he also has his girlfriend, right? What's her name? Uh, Terry Polo. Right. The the woman who was in every movie in the late 90s. She was like an it girl, I guess, for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's this like four or five year period for female actors where they're like old enough they can play like you know the uh the lead in something all the time and then and then eventually they hit an age that directors are just like "Eh, no yeah it's a very brief window definitely um and he and he and honestly i gotta say he's kind of a shitty boyfriend (laughs) oh and he's like it's weird because he's like totally acknowledging it but also kind of unapologetic He's got a little bit of the Charlie Sheen Sailor Killer eyes going on the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a little scary sometimes. Like, you can see where that comes from a little bit. And he absolutely does feel like a professor you would see in some, uh, some like UFO documentary that's, that's, uh, oh, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? He's just got that, like a Dan Aykroyd UFO documentary. He would be the guy. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. I totally see it. Totally see it. Well, when does the kid come in? So the kid comes in in the break. So what happens is she's got that big investment job and his life just like starts to like unfold. He loses his job. He starts working as a cable man. The the girlfriend moves out. Um, And then he, uh, because it's very clear, there's a cover up of some kind of all this, this data and information. Um, They're, they're destroying the records and telling them, Oh, it was a a spy satellite, but it was one of our own. Um, Yeah. They, uh, he gets a bright idea of making his own satellite array using people's home satellite dishes at his job as a satellite uh, like hookup guy. Um, ironically, in real life, that that kind of satellite hookup guy probably making more than the guys at SETI. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> like he's probably like paying off his mortgage even faster while he's doing the cable hookup. Yeah, and uh, he uses all the other people's satellites as his array so that he can look for the signal again. And that's uh, that's when the kid Kiki comes into play, right? He's like uh, like nosing around, and uh, doesn't he drop down from like the roof or something in front of him? Uh, like- yeah, he he drops down from the roof, <laughs> and then Charlie Sheen, uh, after he gets mad at him for invading, the kids show some interest, and it's very clear no one ever shows Charlie Sheen interest in what he does. Yeah, <laughs> so he immediately sits him down. Uh, one of my favorite details is the first thing because he thinks the kid's ankle is hurt. The first thing he does is he grabs a cold bag like full of ice and ice water oh my god and he puts it on the kid's ankle and the kid's like oh this is way too cold like and like it keeps taking it off every time he puts it on oh my god i didn't notice that detail <laughs> yeah. that that comes into play later jeez I... <laughs> it does this and uh, this is a lot more this is a lot more of a subtle movie than i remember it being oh my god same i like i had seen it maybe five or six years ago and i hadn't picked up all the laws but when i started watching it i actually taking notes i was like oh that's that's pretty clever um but no, he and uh, also the kid's name, by the way, uh, I've I've thought this for years. There's a they call him Kiki and I don't know where the name came from, but there's a really famous uh, uh, 
there's a really famous thing in psychiatry called the Kiki Boba experiments. Mm -hmm. And the idea is um, that if you say the word Kiki and Boba and you show two amorphous shapes, one that's all angles and pokey and one that's kind of round and blobby, Mm -hmm. people will always, no matter the language, say the Boba is the round blobby one and Kiki is the sharp one. Mm. And it's like, it's basically a phenomenon they try to explain that why these like, why these uh, sounds have direct visuals and people's across totally unrelated languages well that is that is fascinating so i've always wondered if that's part of it is like if you were translating with aliens like it would be you know that's the kind of stuff you would start to to uh dig into i guess yeah that's a cool detail this kid hangs around while he sets up this thing and starts setting up this array he discovers another signal that is coming from mexico right and it's the same signal at the same frequency but he's hearing it with like uh mexican music so he figures out like where what it's near based on the station he's hearing when he picks up the mexican side of the equation uh oh yeah then there's like the stuff about this co-worker um richard schiff uh who gets whacked by the aliens i guess <laughs> whom amongst us yeah <laughs> Yeah, Richard Schiff has had some interesting movie deaths because uh, he was in the lot. You know, the second Jurassic Park movie, he gets torn apart by T Rexes. <laughs> he definitely seems like a guy eager to join a movie where he gets to check out halfway through. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Just get that paycheck and go. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, it's got to be a sweet gig. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's also the Samuel L. Jackson route. You find a movie where you die pretty early. It's good to go. Oh yeah, or Sean Bean or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> um forgot how that happens with his uh his co-worker i'm trying to remember uh i think it might be vague like he like got into a car accident or something it's vague enough that it could just be nothing right which is right. A, a nice thing to do very early on to kind of get your your spider sense going a little bit yeah but he traces this signal to mexico so he actually goes to mexico and to track this down and this is where like the second act of the movie happens it's fun because he's like now just broke he's like liquidated his entire life to go to mexico yeah with no real plan of what to do after yeah he's just taking out a bunch of credit cards and shit (laughs) Uh, also they do something really weird where they establish that he speaks perfectly fine spanish early in the movie and then when he gets to mexico he just stops he's just like no I'm an American. I'm going to not speak your language yet. And it's very weird. There's literally a scene where he's speaking perfect Spanish for like like oh, three, yeah. four whole sentences. You would think that they would notice that detail with all the other things that they were doing that were like setting up other things. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. He gets to the he gets to Mexico and then he's like, you know, big, big. like you can't think of the Spanish word for big. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this, uh, that is kind of funny. <laughs> It reeks of like a rewrite somewhere. Yeah. Or maybe he, maybe it's the local dialect. Or even worse, like Charlie Sheen's agent halfway through was like, we don't want him to be seen as a Mexican actor. Like we don't want people to like talk about his like real last name and yada yada. So you have to have him speak English for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, it's the nineties. Who cares? Yeah, pretty much. But the, while he's in Mexico poking around, he encounters Lindsay Cross's character, the, the climate scientist, uh, and they uh, 
link up and share notes about what's been going on. There's like, there's, uh, she's tracking basically a ton of methane because this is like the closest point to a bunch of methane release that like doesn't make sense even with normal global warming. Right, right, yeah. And so they kind of link up at a hotel and I I misremembered this as them sleeping together, but I think she just kind of, that kind of almost comes there, but they don't. (laughs) It's funny because he, like she offers and then he's like, he gets real nervous about it. Yeah. And uh, then they talk about his, his ex slash maybe still girlfriend. That's kind of up in the air. Yeah. And then he just like, she, he clearly has a whole bunch of baggage. So she kind of backs off. At this point, it's becoming evident that this is alien related. Yeah. There's... And alien chases him through yeah. an alley. Like he yeah, just like. Yeah. During like a day of the dead celebration or whatever. It's like a, right. it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool little scene. And like, yeah, he like, folds his, he folds his legs back and then yeah he just jumps the guy gets away from uh charlie sheen and then he releases some scorpions or something <laughs> into uh yes Lindsay crosses a hotel room and she is uh killed i guess <laughs> i've been told by other people that scene has given them nightmares because the way it it's done is all the scorpions are put on the top of a ceiling fan that's already spinning. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they just like slowly eventually oh, start God. falling off and, and like in different parts of the room. I mean, all we hear of it is that she goes, ow, and then <laughs> cut to the next day. And then uh, it turns out she's died from the scorpion stings or whatever. I don't know. It is very like seventies bond though, to just have a scorpion assassination. Yes, 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 absolutely. But we don't have like a scene where like he wrestles a bunch of scorpions or something like <laughs> I was, I was thinking of um, the Moonraker, you know, the the space James Bond movie, right, where he like wrestles a snake, <laughs> right? Yeah, or that one here he runs on the alligators. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's what these newer movies are missing, you know. Like they they need more of that, <laughs> like more more animals. <laughs> I think Skyfall had a Komodo dragon, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, but no, nah, they need more like sharks and like yeah, like boats full of like. <laughs> creatures to feed uh, people to that's one of my favorite things in movies is watching monsters devour people not in a fetish way that's not, <laughs> not the way i'm trying to frame that you know i like monster stuff i love you know, monsters causing mayhem oh yeah me too and, we, and uh, i guess this kind of qualifies it's just like it's just it's it's a quieter form of mayhem right well <laughs> and they do they, it's very weird assassination attempts they tried to drop a, a tub on charlie sheen yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought that was just saying like he was in a shitty hotel in Mexico. I think that I thought that was that was more what the joke was. But anyway, it's been a while since I've seen the actual scenes. Oh, that's interesting. I always yeah, I got Charlie Sheen brain. Like I I bought into his worldview too much in the movie, and I, <laughs> I've just accepted everything is trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where he tracks down the, um, the radio station. It it's like, a radio station and a power plant. He finds out because he he calls his girlfriend is basically like, "Hey, uh, I know I'm a deadbeat boyfriend, and I'm sorry about all that, but I do need you to like immediately start working and finding out like what uh, this company has bought in Mexico." And it's soon discovered that they've bought like uh, eight in in production like uh, uh, power plants and twenty new power plants coming online in the following year. Oh yeah. Okay. And um, all in like uh, the global south, like it, directly along the equator for the most part. Yeah. Um, and this is basically kind of the, the, it's the most northern one listed, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But um, so they go through it and, uh, and then the moment like she gives him all like the explanatory information on, oh, this is clearly what's happening. You're just kind of like, 
this is a worldwide thing uh he's then like yeah good thanks and he's like ready to hang up and she's like are, are you serious right you just <laughs> you, you called me up said sorry once and now uh, i've given you what you want you're just gonna hang up and he's like uh yeah uh pretty much like he just like <laughs> he's such an asshole in this movie <laughs> i i kind of almost feel i mean i almost feel like he's kind of miscast in this in, in the sense of like having a likable protagonist because like he's he's really intense oh asshole. see i like him because he's not likable okay for for me he does play like uh like socially like maladjusted a radio guy oh yeah totally totally yeah totally. and that's that's what he does so that seems like on like he seems like a kind of guy who works at seti except is way too attractive to be that guy yeah, Richard Schiff's probably more realistic uh, representation. Exactly, <laughs> which is why Richard Schiff is there. Yeah, the uh, the aliens are starting to come on to him. Basically, they uh, they go to his um, uh, his attic where he's been set. He set up that array of satellite stuff, and then they put throw this little sphere into the thing, and it just like sucks everything into the sphere <laughs> and like very efficient very efficient way of cleaning up and covering up everything it's really cool it's really fun it, it, like the device it has all these weird little things where you can see kind of how it works and like, like you get an idea of how it works but it's still so alien and weird and doesn't i mean it sucks a bird from outside through the window yeah, and then um, there's like these little mirrors or something that come out, reflect right. or something. Or, yeah, they they come out with little lights, and then the, so the way it's very clear, they put the lights on the little device with the mirrors, so that they could use you know instead of paying for effects for a, you know minute long mm-hmm. shot, they only have to pay for effects for the 15 seconds. They're actually showing the device and the stuff spinning, and then they do exterior shots where you see lights flashing in circular patterns. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. This is like what back when people actually did practical effects. Yeah. <laughs> back in Mexico, the original radio station where he found the um, thing has burned down. Right. But he finds whatever it is. There's like, and it has a huge big satellite dish in front. He sneaks over there and um, he watches and sees like the guy who he chased after earlier, right? Right. The, is he it the sees cab driver him. It? Right. So he first he sees the satellite dish pop out of the fountain. Yeah. And it's this big Oh like, yeah, that's right. It's a fountain that turns into a satellite dish. Yeah, and right. then he's basically like, I'm home. Like I know where I am now. And uh then he sees the guy who uh was stalking him and then chasing him through that alley and who kept saying, like, you know, would you like to see the ruins, my friend? Yes, um, yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. And then he basically follows him inside. Uh, and that's where he starts to like he he gets to see the aliens doing their work and just letting out these big green balls of gas um and then gets to see how they put on their mate and he's seeing them without any kind of he sees what they really look like for the first time um and then he sees how they look human and they just step into kind of a a spray tan machine that just sprays plastic on you yeah (laughs) or some kind of material some kind of fake flesh there's also an implication too that um they mean like so he spots a guy in town who's a cop who looks exactly like his former boss. Yes. And when he sees his former boss later, he like mentions like basically seeing him in Mexico and the guy looks like he has no clue what he's talking about. And I like, I've always thought, you know, maybe a funny detail is he really, what it wasn't him. It's just, they use the same mask, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's the idea. Is that it's basically like uh, they're using like it's like it's just the same mold. Like he mentions like later on that like you know you guys are good, but you do make mistakes. You know, so that was like a just a tiny little tiny little slip up there. You know, like the same pattern got used or something. But uh, right. But yeah, so like first time he sees one of these creatures, it's from behind, and it's like sitting at some kind of machine. Yeah, and they're like pretty cool looking aliens. I mean, uh, basically humanoid, but they got kind of like the what's the, what's the term for that style? Of that kind of leg is it inverted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like a like a dog's leg or a cat, you know, like an animal's leg. <laughs> right, and they can do their knees either way, but it's when they throw it backwards they can jump real high. That's kind of their yeah the the giveaway if they have to jump away. Right, yeah, and 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 they got like kind of like cool little flaps on their heads. They're done mostly in CG, but it's pretty decent ninety CG. Yeah, I would definitely call it decent ninety CG. Like, yeah, because it it doesn't look like it's not embarrassing looking. Like you see some movies from that time, and it's just like it might might as well be Microsoft Paint or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But um, no, it's actually really decently done. Um, and and well used. Like it's used for shots that need to. Back then, that's what they did. (laughs) Yeah. The forced constraints of uh, ex- expensive uh, CGI budgets. Exactly, exactly. So they, it, a lot of the shots they use, it's like clearly uh, either paintings for some of them or just like architecture that they've designed. Yeah. Um, and miniaturized for yeah. like the internals of the plant just to make it look weird and alien. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty so cool. So it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely like, it looks good at every point that needs to be put out there is conveyed and it's it's pretty solid yeah yeah i mean it's not like a wildly original look but it definitely looks it, it gets the idea across well enough also i mean i don't know um at the time i remember thinking these aliens look a lot like strom thurman the, <laughs> yeah. the center. they really look like strom thurman i live in south carolina so I mean, oh that yeah that definitely adds a layer there very 90s uh, but anyway uh he's seen what they do so they're like Put their, they're pumping out this gas and out into the out into the atmosphere to accelerate global warming and so like yeah so he tries to escape um but uh, but of course it, because he's like kind of pressed for time he walks into the uh the mask machine the mask machine yeah i guess it works with him for some reason i don't know <laughs> he, he goes into like an elevator with uh, another uh alien disguised as a human and the alien just like tries to talk to him like clip <laughs> no <laughs> weird weird it's a pretty good impression actually and 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 the guy's like looks confused because he just says nothing and suspicious but then he, <laughs> i think he does he just he just pushes the guy out of the no no he goes up to his ear he like leads in and says because it's the guy he followed in oh that's right he that's says, right. would you like to see the ruins my friend oh yes and yes. then pushes him off <laughs> that's a pretty good come <laughs> <laughs> he washes off his mask in the creek or like nearby or right yeah um, it gets too expensive to keep Charlie Sheen in prosthetics any longer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he goes to the cops and he's like, hey, I have to tell you what's happening. And he like goes through the whole thing. And then immediately the cops get a call from the power plant. They're like, hey, we got a report that uh, someone uh, uh, someone murdered someone with their car last night. And they said it was a white American who looked oh, crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, Charlie Sheen is like, okay, I hit something, but I don't know what. And he's just like... <laughs> so much of this movie plays like a guy with a really bad uh drug problem yes. and like delusions <laughs> yeah who's just like i take back really everything i said about saying. charlie sheen being mixed cast now i mean i really <laughs> I, he yeah he makes his way back to 
America. Uh, they don't show how he does. He, he, he mentioned something later about a Mexican circus or something or Mexican rodeo. <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, by the way, uh, if you ever think about traveling with the Mexican rodeo, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was completely not asked for. Yeah. but you know it kind of, and he looks crazy the yeah. funny part is he was wearing these sunglasses the entire movie and they're the exact sunglasses i think that mac and it's always sunny uses whenever he's doing his ocular pat down oh okay it's got like <laughs> these silver things on the side that prevent the light from coming in the side <laughs> yes and so he's wearing these like and they, they, there had to be some promotion for these sunglasses at the time I don't know what it was, but I mean, they look way too expensive and fancy and specific and there's too many shots framed for them perfectly. Yeah. But um, so now he's waiting for his boss before he starts talking to him. And now he's wearing like dollar store sunglasses that are like (laughs) yellow. (laughs) It's very clear. He picked it up at like a gas station. Yeah. He was just like, I want to do the cool sunglasses thing, but I have no money. Yeah. That's a cool, yeah, that's a good detail. Well, so basically, yeah, he, he goes to confront um, his former boss. I always Ron Silver, name. yeah, yeah, Ron, yeah. Let's Ron Silver. We'll just call him like that actor. <laughs> Ron, <laughs> yeah, so he goes to confront Ron Silver at the Jet Proportion Laboratory. And uh, so obviously, you know, they know he knows he knows. And so, yeah, he's basically like, yeah, I know what you're up to. You know, you guys, you know, like I, like I said, or mentioned earlier, he says, uh, you know, you guys are good, but you do make mistakes, you know, and like, you know, and then. He says, you know, Brian Silver's like, yeah, who's going to believe you? You know, you know, if you, if you can't take care of your own planet, you know, you, uh, you don't deserve to, uh, have it basically. Right. He delivers it so well. It's a really good villain performance in a quiet bureaucratic way, but it's really good. It's um, very, uh, I think bureaucratic is a good word for it because he's really good at the vibe that he's an unstoppable force, but not him personally, that he's like, listen, you can kill me, but they're just going to replace me in a week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's a like, like we've already won kind of yeah behind the eyes and he, he kind of gives away the whole thing he's just kind of he describes he's basically like we're we're no worse or better than you this is what you did yeah he's got a point and also like you know uh you know he's like what you guys do in 100 we're doing in 10 you know or whatever and uh <laughs> how many how many years has been this been since this movie came out 25 uh yeah. it's been 20 uh 27 20... 25 25 yeah 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 global temperatures have risen i think 1.3 centigrade out of the 12 the aliens are shooting for yeah yeah (laughs) but still it's things have gotten pretty bad and and so yeah it's it really has a point and then he reveals to ron silver that he taped the whole thing Ooh, gotcha you know gotcha journalism (laughs) um and then uh, project veritas yeah And, and of course, the uh, alien guys are on to him because he basically just said, hey, I'm here. <laughs> right. Not a very good spy. No, no. <laughs> and uh, and so he uh, yeah links back up with his girlfriend and Kiki. The three of them go to the, the satellite station or satellite dish, whatever. And then they um, and then, of course, the aliens, you know, disguised as dudes come and um, confront them. And there's like a pretty big chase scene. I don't remember all the details. <laughs> we're not forgetting because it's not good. Uh, no. We're just forgetting because it's all kind of, it becomes a blur in the end. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's an action scene. So it's, it's a climactic battle between the villain and protagonist. You know, it's like back and forth. He gets the upper hand with like some kind of like a liquid nitrogen 
Right. I think they say it's the cooling jacket for the yellow wire or something. So. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And of course, these aliens do not like it cold, as we've learned. No. And, uh... <laughs> they are terraforming the Earth. But then it turns out that Kiki um, is a alien. All have been an alien all along. <laughs> That's right. I, I just, he's, I guess he's just been keeping tabs more than anything. Uh, that's kind of the assumption in my mind is he's just like, yeah. they figure it's not re- very dangerous and they just, you know, I mean, I assume they're, they're teenage aliens have to have something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that we need to, but we don't really have a real idea of how their society works, you know, or anything. It's just like, you know, they're aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then there's like a, the little, a little thing at the end. I mean, I guess he's basically re- reunited with his girlfriend, essentially. I mean, she does some things, too. I don't remember what. <laughs> it's horrible. But it's like, you know, her character is... It's not like they give her a ton to do. Well, it is it is interesting for 90s media to not only have two separate female characters in the main cast, but also have them both have nothing but positive contributions. Neither of them is a dick or, like, ruins anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them are extremely smart, competent people. That and true. that's that is a rarity in this time. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. Yeah. She's, I mean, she, like, she does kind of like thwart some of his things earlier or like resist some of his crap earlier, but that's because, because he's just totally unpleasant asshole. <laughs> well, and most of the time she's right. Exactly. Like he's very controlling. Like there's a few parts where like he grabs her and it looks very like, Ugh. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It, it just gave me some you know vibes, you know, <laughs> the start of the movie when they first hear the signal, uh he she's basically he's called her and then told her like you know hey how you, or no she's called him from her cell phone which is how you know she's rich in 1996 yeah <laughs> and um he like hears a bar in the background and he's like wait where are you and she's like i'm in the bar and there's a guy and he uh he's only in town for one night and he's like i get the message i'll come home nothing's more important than coming home and then that's when the signal hits and she's still on the line he just drops the phone and it completely ignores her yeah 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 he's 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 such a i don't know it's i think that just that really just threw, i think that's really what really got me re-watching this uh last time i rewatched this was that like i mean obviously he is supposed to be kind of like an intense you know obsessive guy like that's the point but like he it is it does it does veer a bit toward into like real shit for you know that a little bit uncomfortable i mean which might be interesting but this is not really that kind of movie <laughs> right so it just feels a little weird in the movie but you know it's, the movie um... is definitely one that requires a second watch because if you really pay attention all the stuff in the background that's happening is really like fun for example the whole reason that she goes to uh mexico um, it's because all of the weather instruments from the region that that's in um, are not working or they're not giving her, they're giving her half the data they need to be giving her. Oh yeah. And she's yeah, just like, right. screw it. Like there's, that's clearly the epicenter of something and you're give, not giving me data, which means maybe there's a big methane leak, maybe, you know, Oh yeah. just going through a list of possible causes. So she's investigating because they are covering it up and she's yeah. even saying like, this isn't national secrets. Yeah. Like, I don't know why this is, you know, this is easy data to acquire. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and then in the background, there's a news story, and I don't, I don't, I think it's totally in passing, saying that uh, the uh, NASA's newest uh, weather satellite got destroyed uh, on uh, on uh, liftoff. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one they were going to send up to replace the one that, that uh, died and is now why she can't get data is now oh, that yeah. one's gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, pr- I, you know, I, I, I did not remember that detail. 
it's yeah. so many good details about things happening in the background, totally independent of of them. But that also reminds me, though, because that was like that was a big thing in the '90s. Like NASA had a bunch of big, high-profile, um, like disasters like uh, that, like the Hubble telescope, which I, I don't remember what the actual issue was. It was just like, some kind of like problem with the mirror on it or something. Um, but then uh, there was like a Mars probe that disappeared, and that was like a thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I have a memory of this being a thing at the time. It, um, it was definitely a thing. It was like the. Um, it was kind of because we had hit the moon and the moon was pretty like well covered uh territory yeah everything else we were trying to do was so much further than the moon that everything involved yeah. in it was that much harder yeah yeah but i just like to cleverly incorporates that into their thing there's like a little uh, code at the end where we see some kind of like control room somewhere some kind of broadcasting tv station or something and like it's hijacked by charlie sheen broadcasting the video of the conversation he had with uh ron silver but and so but like as if like oh so this is finally going to reveal everything like this conversation this is three second <laughs> conversation yes. is going to break it all down for everybody without any context too that's the yeah, best yeah. part yeah yeah like imagine you're just watching like whatever friends or something and like all of a sudden this comes on and it's just like uh okay what <laughs> i will say that would have been brilliant promotional material at the time is oh you make God. a 30 second spot the first like five seconds is a fake commercial and yeah. then the last five seconds is a fake commercial but the middle 20 seconds is just that scene oh hell yeah that would have been that would have been awesome yeah i i, I doubt they had that kind of marketing budget but uh, that would have been <laughs> yeah. so cool though that would have been awesome yeah if this really happened, it would just be some crazy crank thing that was dismissed. I think that happened quite a bit, like in the eighties, like yeah, the Max Headroom one, yeah, the, yeah. the big famous one. Yeah, there's the Max Headroom one. There was an, there was some other one too. There's a few different ones, but yeah, it's like so where somebody hijacked the, the satellite signal and broadcast a thing really quickly, and then right. um, it's I mean it's in a, I get it's a way to end a movie, but like it's like that would not be a, a game changer in any way for any of this. I mean. <laughs> I kind of like that though. I yeah. I enjoy that ending where it's kind of like, well, it's out. Yeah. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. And uh, there is a sequel, The Arrival Two. I have never seen the sequel. A second Arrival, I think is what it's called, or something like that. I've not seen it either. It's a direct-to-video sequel, but um, and he is Charlie Sheen is not um <laughs> yeah i would imagine that yeah <laughs> um i i don't know if anybody from the first one's in it i mean uh but uh yeah i don't even know if david Tui had anything to do with it um david Tui is actually kind of interesting he has kind of like a, a niche and like not entirely low budget but not huge kind of b movies that you know the kind of movies they don't really make anymore right yeah he also did a draft of alien 3 one of the many many people who did a draft of an alien 3 and uh he will of course water world um and, uh, the man just spent the 90s trying to get everyone on board with like talking about global warming yeah totally <laughs> he did like pitch black for certain i don't know if he yes, did riddick yeah, or any yeah, of those yeah he, he did all the riddick movies okay uh gi jane he wrote too oh and terminal velocity another charlie sheen movie he wrote oh, yeah, there you go. okay he co-wrote the fugitive with harrison ford so that's a pretty big one um he wrote warlock um the julian sands horror movie um okay which i've never seen actually but uh it's a... i saw it forever ago and i do not remember any part of it unfortunately there's actually a video game that came out like a few years after the fact that was tied into it, it was, oh, i know it was, that i remember renting it <laughs> <laughs> um 
And then he wrote Critters 2, the main course. <laughs> okay. Critters 2 is fun. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the one where they all go up into a big ball, right? Yeah. You know what's sad is I hear Critters 2, and the first thing I think is I'm pretty certain that's the movie that was playing in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action first movie. Yes. When yes. Raph goes to the movies, I think that's what he sees. And he says, what a piece of shit. <laughs> As he's walking out with his yeah. his weird Brooklyn accent, yeah, yeah, I guess he's the only normal accent. It's his brother who's got the California accent that yeah. makes no sense. Yeah, I've never really understood like that whole thing with with those characters. Like, did they? I guess maybe they just watch TV and got it. I don't know. I it's just representation. Yeah, <laughs> That's all it is. It's there's there's you know it's so that boys on the West Coast can also feel like they're part of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> he doesn't talk like me oh no he does that's awesome dude uh, no <laughs> it was like i never saw myself on tv until those turtles. <laughs> yeah. I, I like ninja turtles id poll that's where the yeah. arrival should go <laughs> more mutant turtle representation <laughs> so uh that was the arrival um it's a it's kind of funny it's a breezy movie actually in a weird way it's good in a good way not in a bad way it moves along very quickly it's very entertaining but it's not doesn't feel like it's insulting your intelligence like that's that's a really important thing for me like yeah it's kind of movie well it doesn't it does something um that a lot of suspense movies uh that uh that came after it didn't do um and that kind of came back with drag me to hell which is it kind of gives up the ghost immediately. Like it's, it does not take long for you to just have proof that the aliens are indeed yeah. on earth in some capacity. Yeah. Um, and I like that. It's not just, you know, the final reveal is not that they're here. You know what I mean? No. The mystery comes from finding out what they're up to, what's going on and all that. And that's, that's the fun part. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's um, yeah. It's, they don't make movies like this anymore. No, I, just, I mean, I just don't like, which is really sad because, like, I I really miss this kind of like uh, mid level kind of like not quite a huge mega budget film, but like not even not a not a low budget cheapy or anything. It's, it's just kind of like right. stars in it. It has it's you know made by actual filmmakers. People know what they're doing, and it looks good. I just miss this kind of movie. Yeah, it's got a sense of dread that is like really nice. Yeah. Um that a lot of there's something about because here's the thing when you make a movie now the if it has any kind of real money the stakes have to be the world mm-hmm. when it, if it you know if you're breaking a real budget in an american a big american movie and it's not oscar bait you need to have the stakes be the entire world mm-hmm. but in all of those movies the like world basically gets to exist as it did before at the very end yeah um and this is not one of those this is like it basically is just in, uh, enlightening you more and more as to what the aliens have done in the movie's universe. And it, if anything, you get more and more certain the world's basically just doomed in the end. Yeah. I mean, like, let's say some people believe the video, right? Let's just like, let's really play this out. Some people believe the video. Okay, now we need to find out what's happening. Oh, look, there's weird stuff happening with the satellites. It's going to take five plus years before anything actually happens of real substance, even if you get enough people to believe. Yeah. And by that time, it's already kind of at that time, what the the whole world has raised five or six centigrade. Yeah. Like everyone's <laughs> going to be dealing with like floods and hurricanes. It's also funny listening to the weather phenomena, by the way, in the movie. 
Be- oh, yeah. Because it's all shit that's just happening right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like there are thousands of people dying in the Sudan of malnutrition. It's like, wow, imagine what it was like when it was just thousands. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that must have been an interesting time. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, oh, it is 90 degrees in October. That's one of the lines in the, the end. It's like, it is 90 degrees on this October 1st. And it's like, and this is the hottest October 1st on record. Well, so, to be fair, yeah. I'm from South Carolina, so that's pretty normal here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, totally. And um, yeah, and, and obviously this movie just it, it it still holds up. You know, they don't overextend themselves with like the dated effects things that weren't quite perfected yet or whatever. And also the subject matter, obviously, like very relevant still. Um, and it really, yeah, it's, it holds up. I, I really like this movie. I've always enjoyed watching it when it comes on TBS or TNT or whatever. It's a basic cable class. It's free on IMDb right now, by the way. Yeah. It's definitely a good free movie. It, I, here's one of the things I really like about this, and it's a vibes thing, and it's yeah, kind of totally. hard to differentiate, Yeah, is um, the vibes in the 90s and in the like, yay, it's the end of history. Like there yeah. was a lot of like celebration and a lot of like a lot of movies kind of trying to manufacture, you know, some kind of horrible event just because they wanted to feel something in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> this one is fun to me because it kind of goes against all of that. And it's it's kind of saying it is the end of history. You really can't control anything. The climate change is happening. Like again, it's like, what if you had to deal with, you know, the consequences you're doing anyway, but we just sped up the scale is basically kind of yeah. the vibe. And it's, you know, it's definitely interesting. Um, the aliens even, the, one of the aliens even tells them like, hey, we are able to do this because you guys have already started doing this and it gives us cover. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it definitely has that. I like that. Um, that vibe, the, the vibe of dread. And yeah. the fact that like you don't need to have like a specific thing that kind of ends the world. It can just be a very slow, gradual, awful thing that you're just like, sl- you know, like the Austin Powers uh, steamroller just coming at you at like three <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> all you can do is just sit there just screaming and being like, well, I guess it's happening. Yeah. Oh, behave, climate change. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, totally, totally. It's a really smart variation on the paranoid thriller kind of thing and it's like really well well done um, and it's also got this weird like alcoholic vibe to it too. yeah that is kind of a fun part of the movie just seeing him like just get even more abject and and like ridiculous and like intense and <laughs> like uh speaking of jen it reminds me of the vampire's kiss a little it, it's got mm. like like this movie could have been done in a way where it's just all in his head, you know? Oh my God. The guy goes in a binder to Mexico because that's where the aliens are. They just happen to be at the cheapest bar in the country. And (laughs) do you Um, want to explore the ruins? No, I got drinking to do. Um, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I had a really good time. This is a a brief episode, but the movie moves along very quickly. Like no one comes out of this movie being like, I wasted my time. It's a very entertaining movie. All right. Well, uh, so uh, is there anything you would like to plug or promote? Uh, yeah, I'm doing uh, uh, the podcast with Mike Nichols, Why the Last Pod. About and, the show? Yes. Uh, we go uh, episode by episode in in theory. Thus far, we've had to group them, but uh, next one is going to be one episode per one episode. Okay. But uh, we go over that. 
Um, and then uh, The Greatest Depression, which is the project I'm working on to kind of aim for a blowback style series, but about the Great Depression. Oh, cool. Some history. Yep. A lot of research. It's going to take me about three more months. So. Oh, yeah. That, that one is still in production. Okay. Yeah, that one's still in production. Basically, the, the Why the Last Pod is a great way for me to like cut my teeth on, my, on the actual production angle. And then once I got that, I'm good. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much, Grim. Uh, this this is a lot of fun, and you're welcome back anytime. So uh, if you have any ideas or anything, just let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to. I got some ideas. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.